Well, good morning, guys. How's everybody doing in the house today? Everybody doing good? I'm glad you, each of you are here. I, I want to say just first and foremost, I, I did not expect uh, the, the pastor appreciation gift. I know it comes around every October, and I've been in ministry 17 years, over 17 years, and it shocks me every time. I, I literally get surprised. Uh, but I just want to tell you on behalf of me, uh, Pastor Gage, he won't be coming up here um, and my wife, Jessica, and Megan, just how appreciative we are, not just of the gift, um, because that's not why we do ministry, although we're very appreciative of it, but we're just appreciative of you, appreciative of your heart, um, to us, to this church, to God, and just getting on board with what we're doing here as a branch of, of God's great church, changing our lives and changing the community around us, and it just warms our heart to know um, that you're here for, for that. Somebody say amen in the house. We're in a series called Difficult People. Do you have any difficult people in your life? Um, trying to understand difficult people and the things that they do is sometimes like trying to smell the color nine. Sometimes we, we just don't get it. It's like impossible to do. Is that, is that true for you? In this series, we're, we're talking about and acknowledging that, you know what, people can be difficult in our lives, but we're also going to talk very practically, what do we do? What would God do? How, how did God address difficult people in the scriptures? How did Jesus address difficult people? And, and does he have a plan? Does he have kind of a roadmap? Are there principles when it comes to difficult people in our lives when it comes to the Bible? But before we jump into that, I want to ask you, do you believe that God can help? Do you, do you believe that God actually has an opinion and a path for you when it comes to the difficult people in your life? Because the fact is, is that you play a part. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about overly needy people. Sometimes overly needy people can be difficult. Now, I just want to be clear, I'm not talking about genuinely needy people. Jesus was very clear on how we are to address the poor and the sick and the widowed, and genuinely needy people, people that uh, maybe don't know where their next meal is coming from. So I'm, I'm not talking about genuinely needy people today. I'm talking about overly needy people today, people that are needy at an unhealthy level. Um, so I just want to give you some examples just very quickly as we, as we jump off here. This is not an exhaustive list by any stretch of the imagination, but maybe you have some of these types of people in your life, uh, people who are overly insecure. And it doesn't matter how much affirmation you give them, nothing seems to change. They're always asking questions like, are we okay? Is everything okay? Are, are, are you okay with me? Did I do something to hurt your feelings? You don't love me anymore, do you? You know, it can, it can go as, as, as extreme as that. But no amount of validation truly answers their questions the way your answers are meant to be. They're just overly insecure. Um, how about, and this is kind of funny but true, drama queens and drama kings. They just live for the next bit of gossip. Um, you're never going to guess what happened to me today. It was the worst day of my life, you know, and then they could go on to tell you about why it was the worst day uh, of their life, and if you talk to them the next day or the next week, they're going to tell you that that was the worst day of their life, and it's, it's, it's kind of interesting how they always have a way of spelling the V words with two Vs. You are never going to guess what happened to me. No solution ever satisfies them. No matter how much advice you give them, there's no solution that will satisfy that type of person. Um, th this is an interesting one. Uh, somebody who likes to just talk a lot, hear themselves talk, talkaholics. 
they're just talking and talking. And once somebody like this gets your attention, they can go for hours. Like literally, if you don't interrupt them, they'll go from one subject to the next. Um, and sometimes they start talking about people that you don't even know. And they want to feed you the line-by-line conversation about what they did and about what Sally said. And then Meg said this, but then I interjected that. And then Meg shot back with this, and you're not going to believe it. And, and, and you don't even know who Meg and Sally are. And you dare not ask them who they are because you don't want to give them the hour and a half it's going to take to explain who Meg and Sally are. And, and it's, it's just like this constant need for someone to listen to them. And it's not about the subject matter. They, they just need someone to hear them talk to be validated, and no amount of listening ever satisfies them. How about this one, resource drainers? Now, I'm kind of labeling these people, so, so please don't take offense, but just for the sake of our time together, this is somebody who it doesn't matter how much you give them, they always need something else. Whatever they need, you're the source at the moment, and they'll keep coming back to you as long as you're feeding them the source. As long as you're giving to them, they'll keep coming back. And, and once they use you up, they'll just move on to the next place. Once you stop being their source, they move on to the next place. And unfortunately, what oftentimes happens is as soon as they get to the new source, they start by telling them how you failed, <laughs> how you failed them. And then they, they start again. The, the bottom line is this. Overly needy people are not healthy people in need. Overly needy people, they'll... They need from you, but they're asking something that you can't give them. No matter how much time you give them, they always need more. No matter how much validation you give them, they always need more. No matter how much money you give them, they always seem to need more. And the problem is, is that we care. Christians care. We, we genuinely care. And so it's easy to get drawn into their issues. Anybody ever get drawn into the issues? And so today we're going to be talking about how am I supposed to handle, how am I supposed to approach overly needy people. So we're going to talk about it. Now, every case is unique, so I understand that, but there's four general biblical principles that I want you to remember today. We're going to jump right in. You ready? Here's the first one, and we start here on purpose. Pray for a compassionate heart. It's easy to get aggravated. It's easy to get mad, and it's easy to act on those feelings when overly needy people are in our lives, especially when we've helped them and nothing seems to, to, to benefit. And so we need to pray for a compassionate heart, and we need to remember that first and foremost, they're people. And Jesus died for people, first and foremost. And here's how Jesus approached the desperately needy. We're going to look at what he did in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. He says this, he came up and he saw the multitudes. Say multitudes. There were a lot of people. And he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered. He saw, he saw their real need, and it moved him to compassion. He said they were like sheep that had no shepherd. And he looked at his disciples and he said, you know what? The harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. So pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. You know, Jesus saw overly needy people and he was moved to compassion. Now, what is compassion? I'm so glad you asked. The Greek word actually means this. It means to yearn in the bowels. Doesn't that sound funny? (laughs) I mean, it's it's this deep-seated hurt down on the inside, the the King James Version actually translates it, the bowels of compassion. He was moved down deep until it hurt. And there's no really English word that comes close to describing the depth of that meaning. But what we can take away from this is is this. The Bible says if you're going to be like Jesus, compassion is not an option. 
compassion way down deep. But listen, I want you to understand that when it comes to overly needy people in your life, the Bible does give you limitations on what you should do. Compassion and doing. Sometimes they're, they're two different things. So I, I want to flip over to Galatians chapter 6. This is the Apostle Paul talking. He wrote a lot of the New Testament in terms of uh, instruction on how the church is supposed to be. God breathed. This is what he says in Galatians 6 verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So how do we treat overly needy people? Well, he's given us right here, bear one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. Then if you skip down to verse 5, he says this, each one shall bear his own load. Does that sound like a contradiction to you? Bear one another's burdens, but at the same time, each one should bear their own load. Why would he say bear one another's and bear your own load? Well, the answer lies in the words. How many of you know the Bible was not written in English? So this is one of those those verses that you actually have to go back to the original language and understand the intent behind what the author was saying in order to understand the Bible. The word burden here uh, is baros. It means overload. You ever been overloaded? You ever had somebody in your life that was uh, overly needy, but yet they were overloaded? Look at this picture. I just want to show you what I'm talking about. Now, does he look overloaded to you? It's, it's when you're overloaded beyond the scope of what your natural ability can bear. Now, I don't know what they were thinking whenever they loaded that car down with that much plywood on the top. So much so the bumper's actually dragging the ground. I hope they didn't take off like that. But that's, that's what it looks like in somebody's life to be overloaded beyond the scope of what they're able to carry. And that's what the word meant when he said bear each other's burden. It means bear, help them bear the overload. And if you look at the word load, the word actually means in the Greek, it means the individual portion of the load. In other words, even when there's an overload, they still have a portion to carry. And sometimes we get involved with overly needy people and we either help them all the way or we don't help them at all. And that's not what the scriptures teach. The scriptures teach that you're moved with compassion, but there's a certain part that you need to stop doing and let them carry. There's an overload portion that you need to help them with, but then there's an individual portion that you need to let them carry themselves. And that's the difference between helping somebody and enabling them. There was uh, a missionary. In fact, I'll tell you who it is. Pastor Jim was a missionary in the Philippines for years before he came back to the States and planted uh, a church in Virginia. Now he's here at the bridge as our senior pastor. But anytime they were planning churches and a church would come and say, help us build a building, the first question he would always ask is, is what are you bringing to the table? And if the people in the Philippines, that particular area, they said nothing, we want you to do it, then he would say, well, I'm not working with you. He would say no. But if they were to come back and say, okay, well, you know what, we'll cut down the trees for the columns, we'll get the bamboo for the walls, we'll get the, the nipo leaves for the roof, and we'll do the labor. And he said, okay, well, what, what do you need from us? And they, they may say, well, okay, we need nails. We don't have nails. And we want to do a concrete floor. So if you could give us some bags of, of, of cement and help us with, with that. See, now it's a partnership. Now they've done their part, and they've helped with the overload, and now it's their church building because they've put the work into it, and they've put the effort into it, and now it's now it's theirs. They've done their part. And see, when it comes to overly needy people, we're talking about their lives. And you're there to help them live their best life in Christ. That means you have to let them do their part. Otherwise, it's not their life. It's your life that you're living vicariously through them and enabling them in a very dysfunctional and healthy way in the process. 
So when you take the full load off of somebody, you're not really helping them at all. Take the overload portion. Let them carry their load. So when I say pray for a compassionate heart, I mean care enough to come alongside of them to help with the overload, not the whole thing. And and the last thing, just real quick, about having compassion is that you, you have compassion knowing that on any given day, you might be an overly needy person. You may be somebody that has a bad day at work, or you may be somebody that you know, gets a scary diagnosis from the doctor, or you may be somebody that gets laid off. On any given day, any of us are capable of having an overload. And we pray that somebody around us close will have compassion enough to help us carry our overload. We ought to be compassionate enough to walk beside people. So pray for compassion and draw near to them. And then number two, when, when, when you get close enough, you give people what they need, not what they want. As you pray for compassion and get close to the situation, you're going to begin to understand what the need really is and not just what somebody wants from you. Um, But don't you know hurting people can often mistake the two things, needs and wants. Uh, In fact, if we're not careful, we'll mistake them too. Uh, And we think we're showing them love when we bail them out. We think we're showing them love whenever we we give them what they're asking for. Um, But what ends up happening is we give them what they want, not necessarily what they need. We're supposed to be giving them as much time as they need, not the time that they want. We're supposed to be giving them uh, enough attention. We're supposed to be giving them enough resources that they need and not just what they want. But time and time again, we just give and give and give. And we answer the phone every time they call and we open the door every time they come over and just to hear the same issues over and over again. And, you know, after all, it's easier just to go ahead and bail them out because then we don't have to listen to them anymore. Or it's easier just to go ahead and, well, I'll just take the 10 minutes with you because I know I'm going to satisfy your need for the next week and then I'll be six days free of you. And so it's easier just to bail them out because at least they'll leave us alone. But guys, that's not love. That's not compassion. Giving somebody what they want is not love. Love is not a one-size-fits-all. It's, it's a lot deeper than just being a nice person. How many of you know that God gave you what you needed, not necessarily what you wanted, and sometimes he still does that in order to keep us in his will? Thank God. Love is not one-size-fits-all. You don't treat everybody the exact same way. I want to take you to a, another scripture reference. Paul, he was talking to a young pastor named Timothy, and in the book of 2 Timothy, this was his second letter, chapter 3, verse 16, this is what he talks about. He says, all Scripture is God-breathed. If it's God-breathed, that means we better best be paying attention to it. And it's useful. What's it useful for? Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. That's not what we thought I was going to say. <laughs> We thought I was going to say, you know, all Scripture is God-breathed, and God is love, and God is good, and so all Scripture is butterflies, and all Scripture is good for us, and it feels good, and it sounds, no, not always. All, all Scripture is God-breathed, and it's, it's useful sometimes for teaching us and for rebuking when the need is there. And, and it's useful for correcting and training, and sometimes as Christians, we end up pouring into a black hole, and what we need to be doing is teaching somebody something. Sometimes we end up giving and giving and enabling, enabling, and sometimes in love we need to correct someone and help them in the big picture and not just the short-term want. Sometimes love is tough. And so the Scripture is, is used for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. Why? In righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Are you really loving the person or are you enabling their dysfunction? 
Think about the overly needy people in your life and the people that are coming to you, and you know that what they're really asking for isn't what they really need. Are you, are you going to enable them just because it's the easy way out? Or are you actually going to give them something that will be useful for them in the long run, which, by the way, requires your time and energies maybe in another capacity? you got to get past the words. you got to get past the feelings of the situation and look at what the real need is. A couple of things real quick, ways you can do this. Uh, one, look at the situation. Just look at the situation. They may come to you and say, hey, I need you to help me pay my car payment. And you know what? <laughs> that may be exactly what they need. Maybe some emergency happened and, and they got behind. But oftentimes, somebody needs a budget. Oftentimes, you just got to help somebody with their, with their math, their calculations, and the discipline it takes to actually have a budget and, and not spend more than they take in. Because you can help them out with the car payment this month, but what about next month? What about the month after that? What happens whenever they see you as somebody that has money and that will has the compassion? Boy, they will play on your compassion now. And they'll come back, well, I need a phone. I don't want you to pay all the phone bill, just some of it until I can get back on my And before you know it, there's this repetitious cycle of them coming and draining you and you pouring into a black hole. Sometimes you just need to look at the situation. What's the big picture here? Slow down, pray, listen long enough to get past their words and look at the real situation. And secondly, look at their actions. Look at their actions. What are they actually doing to help themselves? It was a story of a pastor I heard uh, who had a guy come to him and say, you know what, I, I, I'd like to counsel with you. He said, okay. And, and the guy said, well, you know, I like all the other pastors and everything, but you really listen. You really seem to, to get me, so I want to I talk to you. And he said, all right, that's fine. So they, they meet, and the counseling session starts out, and the guy just immediately jumps in, and he goes for like an hour just pouring out how bad his life is. And, and it's horrible. It's bad. And it's just on and on and on. The guy's in tears, and I'm talking crocodile tears. And after that was over, he kind of let him get it all out. And he said, okay, well, he said, you know, I've, man, that's bad. He said, let me, let's talk about some action steps here that I feel like can really help you. So I want you to do this and this and this and, and this. And they prayed together and said, all right, let's, let's meet next week and let's see how, how we're doing with this. I, I believe God's going to do something great in your life. And so he comes back next week, and, and it's kind of the same story. He kind of jumps in and starts immediately down this trek again. And it was like the same sob story. And after he gets done, he says, well, let me ask you right, kind of right off the bat. How are you doing with this, 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 and this? Did you do those things? And the guy said, no. He said, okay, well do those things. <laughs> he said, you know, I, I hear you, I have compassion with you, and I'm, I want to help you through this, but those things are for a good reason. So, so do those things. Let's, let's meet again. And so he sees him like the next week uh, in, in the church service. And he's talking to people saying hi, and he, he kind of realized right then this guy was kind of like Eeyore. <laughs> you know, he's, he's like, hi, how you doing, man? Well, I'm not okay. Everything was. And so he kind of just brushed it off, and, and the next week he comes in again, and this is the third week now, and he's kind of jumping in the same sob story. And after about 10 minutes, he kind of politely interrupts him, and he says, do you like your life? No. Do you want your life to be different? Yes. Then do what I told you to do. We are literally coming up on the one-month anniversary of our time together. And yes, your life is bad. No, your life hasn't changed. But neither have your behaviors. You're literally doing nothing that we've put in place that will actually help you get out of this. What this guy wanted was for someone to feel pity with him for an hour every week. But what he needed was a behavior change. And the goal is to be compassionate. The goal is to give them what they need, not what they want. But it's more than that. 
you've got to give to them in a way that's healthy for both you and them. I want to say that again. You have to give to somebody in a way that's both healthy for you and for them. Years ago, I heard a, a wise counselor tell me this. He said, when, when I go into counseling sessions, I, I always start out with this from the get-go. And he, this is what he tells people. He says, I'm going to go on this journey with you, but if it gets to the point where I'm putting more into it than you are, then I'm going to cut you off. you got to give to people. You have to be compassionate, but you have to give to people in a way that's healthy for both you and them. And this is why you need the third principle, and that's this. You have to set healthy boundaries. Set healthy boundaries. Boundaries are defined as this, what you say yes to and what you say no to. What are my boundaries? If you don't have boundaries going into a situation, then don't be shocked when you, when you, over, you, you step over what would have been your boundaries. Because you get into the emotions of it and you start doing things that you didn't anticipate doing and hearing things you didn't anticipate hearing. You've got to have your boundaries going in. What, what am I going to say yes to? What am I going to say no to? And this is really where the rubber meets the road for fully devoted followers of Christ. We, we have no problem caring. We have no problem being willing to help. Um, in fact, if you're getting close to Christ, then you're going to see needs around you. In fact, you're going to be heightened in your senses uh, through the Holy Spirit. Uh, you're going to see more needs. The problem is, is drawing the line, knowing where to stop. Where are my boundaries? The good news is, is Jesus showed us how to do that too. Uh, in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, Jesus is, is uh, with a bunch of people, but then the next morning it says, while it was still dark, he woke up and he left the house. He's ministering, and while it was still dark, he went away to a lonely place and he prayed. He had to get some me time, right? Him and God time, really, is what he was doing. So Simon and his friends, they went to look for Jesus. And when they found him, they said, look, everyone is looking for you. And Jesus said, you know what? We should go to the other towns around here so I can preach there too. Because that's the reason I came. He draws a line. He draws a boundary. The disciples are saying, everybody's waiting for you. And Jesus is saying this, sorry, I'm on a mission for my father. He set boundaries so he could accomplish the mission and so that the people could grow. I, I have no doubt in my mind that if him staying there was critical, number one, to the people there growing and, and needing him for their faith, I believe that he would have stayed. But your boundaries should protect your God-given mission and the growth of those around you. And here's the surprising part to overly needy people. Sometimes the right thing for them seems like the wrong thing to them. Henry Cloud wrote a book called Boundaries years ago. If you haven't ever read that book, I encourage you to get it. Henry Cloud is the name, and the book is called Boundaries. And he tells the story of these parents that come in. They actually scheduled an appointment for themselves and for their teenager uh, who was going to college. And uh, the teenager didn't show up for the appointment. And so they said, well, we've already, we already paid for the hour, so let's go in and meet with the counselor. So they go in, and the, and the counselor says, what's going on? And he says, well, we have this teen that... Uh, we, we sent him off to college, paid for his tuition, and he came back like after the first semester, borderline flunking out. And we told him, you know, you've got to get better. You've got to, you've got to do better. You've got to study. You've got to put things in place for him. And then he came back a few months later having flunked out and decided that that wasn't the school for him. So he laid on the couch. And we were like, you know, you've got to get up. You've got you to try something. Get up. We're trying to motivate you here. And he says, well, you, you know, I, I didn't do good at that school because that really wasn't the school for me. But I found this other one that I really think would be good for me. 
And so, so we, we paid his tuition to go to that one. And then he went there, and he flunked out, and he came back, and, and he's laying out on the couch again. And we're like, you know, you got to find a job. you got to get up and do something. But he didn't do it. And he said, you know, there's this other school that I feel like would be good for me. That other one wasn't good for me. And so we're probably going to do that again, go through that same thing. And, and you know, our, our teen has, has this problem. We need, to, we need to figure it out. And he says, no, your teen doesn't have a problem at all. In fact, your teen needs a problem. You're solving all his problems. He, he doesn't have a problem in the world. <laughs> and if you expect him to grow and get better, then he needs a problem that he can put his fair share into and solve. And you've got to set some boundaries for yourself so that he can actually do what it is that he needs to do. Listen, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. You've probably heard this verse before. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he's also going to reap. You know what that means? That means that our decisions and our consequences that come with them shape us. We make decisions, and when we, when we reap those consequences, by the way, they're God-given consequences, they have the potential to actually make us better and grow. And it's easy to rob people of that opportunity when you don't let them feel the consequences of their actions. It's very quiet in this room. Is this, is this tough? It reminds me of a story I've heard recently of a pastor in Michigan. Uh, his kid gets off the bus one day, and, and his kid gets off the bus right there in front of the church building where he works. And uh, he didn't really see down there. And his kids are normally really good kids, but for whatever reason, they got off and started throwing chunks of ice at cars going by. Michigan, snow, ice. And all of a sudden, he gets a phone call. And it's of this neighbor that says, hey, just wanted to let you know your kid's playing in the road. And he said, why are you calling me? Get them out of the road, you know. And so he, he puts the phone down, and he knows he's throwing ice at the cars, and he, he walks over to the front just in time to see somebody had pulled over and had got out and was approaching his son. And he started to walk out the door, but he said, let's see how this plays out. He said, if it, if it gets crazy and, you know, he ends up throwing a swing at my son, he probably could take one hit before I can get over there and get to him. This is what he says. Not saying I agree with that. I'm just saying this is what he did. So he said, let's, let's just see how this plays out. And it's like tinted windows right there so they couldn't see in, but he could see out. And the, the old man gets out, and he is literally giving his little son that rode the bus the business. You don't have any respect for anybody's, for anybody's car. This is my car. What do you think? Just giving them all down his throat and, and got kind of really close to him. And, and he's just watching it happen as a dad. Let's see how this plays out. And the guy gets back in his car and takes off and the little boy kind of turns around and starts walking back and kind of gets to the back of the building where the door is unlocked. And his dad meets him over there and says, hey, how's your day going? Good. Everything going okay? Well, I have old man breath in my nostrils for the rest of my life. He says, what do you mean? And they told him the story. He says, to this day, anytime they're in a parking lot, he's like so careful to get out of the car and not hit anything. And I don't want to touch anybody's car. People really value their cars. I don't know if I want to, want to do anything. He learned something because his dad was smart enough to let him feel the consequences of his actions. And it actually made him better. And there are people in your life that need to feel the consequences of their actions so that they can actually have the potential to grow from them. If you let them feel the consequences, they will have the opportunity to grow. And it starts, this is your part, by setting boundaries for yourself. Last principle, you need to accept the fact that every need is not a calling. Just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should do something. 
It's interesting. Jesus, he, he cared more for anyone in the, in the whole entire world. But even Jesus didn't grant every single request. I'm not saying he didn't care because he did. He cared more than anybody. But what I am saying is that rescuing is not always helping. Sometimes God allows circumstances in people's lives to get them to look to him and draw closer to him. Sometimes he'll allow that. Why? Because sometimes the physical need isn't the call. When you, when you see overly needy people with a, a very real need, sometimes that's not the call for you to do something. Sometimes the need like that is an indicator on the surface of a deeper spiritual need that God is trying to fulfill. And, and it takes a mature person, someone that's in tune with the Holy Spirit, that's being prayerful, to look at somebody and know that, hey, I'm not supposed to answer this immediate need right now. I think God needs to do something in this. I remember years ago, I went through a divorce. It was actually four years ago, and, and I was in deep need. I mean, I, I, I was at a place, I was an overly needy person if there ever was one. I hurt so bad, some days I couldn't even breathe, much less find the strength to actually function as a normal human being. And I remember lots of days I'd just be on the ground laying on my face. And I'm not saying God caused any of that, but what I am saying is that he certainly wanted to use it to draw me closer to him. No doubt in my mind. And there were many times all I wanted was not him. I just wanted a person. I wanted a person to listen to me. I wanted a person to cry out to. I wanted a person to keep me company. I wanted a person that I could say how unfair everything was and then take my side. And there were people in my life that did that. Please don't get me wrong. There were a close circle that helped with some of that. But at the end of the day, you know what I began to realize? This was my hurt inside of me that no one else could take away but God. But it's interesting is overly needy people, sometimes we don't go to him first. We want people to satisfy our need that only God can satisfy. And we find ourselves going to people time and time again, often like I described in the beginning of, of this message, where we're trying to ask people for something that they could never give us. And what they are giving us just doesn't seem to satisfy in the end. And so we keep coming back for more. But there were people in my life that refused to get involved past a certain point. And when they did that, it left room for me to go to God and truly heal. And I just want to ask you, and I'm so grateful for that. But I want to ask you today, are you crowding someone else's ability to see God because you're too busy trying to be their source? I believe God would have me to say to you today that there's no doubt you love them, but you're not their Savior. Only Jesus paid that price. And maybe, just maybe, it's time for you to back off so that they can actually see him. Maybe some of you are in need right now. Maybe, maybe you're not the person that would offer the help. Maybe you're the person in need, much like I was four years ago. And maybe what God would want to tell you today, if you have the ears to hear, the spirit and be pliable is that there is no person on this planet that's going to satisfy the God-shaped void that's inside of you right now. Only he can fill it. And he wants to. And he wants to start right this very second. Would you be bold enough to hear him? Would you be bold enough to receive him? Would you turn to him today? I want to close with prayer right here on this, on this moment. If that's you, if, if you would say, you know what? Just be self-aware. No condemnation. Just self-aware. Self-awareness is a gift that you give yourself. I'm an overly needy person. And I've been trying to fill the void with people. 
but I understand right now that God is the only one that can fill that void. Would you just pray this prayer with me? I believe God's calling your name right this very second. And this is the Holy Spirit's job, not mine. And I believe he's doing it because he always does his work and he does it just at the right moment. And I believe he's doing it right now. Would you pray this prayer with me? God, I need you. I have needs on this earth, but more importantly, I have a spiritual need on the inside of me that needs to be filled. And I believe you're the only one that can do it. I believe that you really died for me and sacrificed for my sin. And I believe that you really were raised to life. And I believe you're alive today and I I believe that you love me. And I'm just committing myself right now to follow you. I may walk out of here and still hurt. I may walk out of here and see the same path that I've been walking, but I believe I'm gonna see it through a different lens now. And I believe you can help me. I wanna live for you. So I make the decision right now to make you Lord of my life, Jesus. And I trust you to help me with everything that comes my way. I don't know what I'm gonna face. I don't know when this pain's gonna be over. But if I'm gonna depend on anybody solely, I want it to be you. In Jesus' name. And Lord, I just lift up everybody else in the room or who may be listening online who has an overly needy person in their life. God, I pray you give them wisdom. Lord, your your word says to ask for wisdom. Your word says in the book of Proverbs that we should be seeking it like it's treasure. So I'm just asking that. I'm standing on your word and just asking and proclaiming that over our lives today that you'd give us the wisdom and the the strength. Give us the the ambition, Lord, and give us the sensitivity to you to be able to know when to move and when to back off. I know this subject is very touchy sometimes with parents, sometimes with kids that, that are having a rough go at it, and parents inevitably love their kids so much. That love comes from you. You understand it. But they want to help, and sometimes when they help, they end up enabling, and it's hard You feel like you're turning your back on them sometimes. And Lord, I just pray for the strength to be able to do what needs to be done so that the child can see you and not the parent anymore. In Jesus' name. Lord, whatever other situations are going on in in all of our various lives, Lord, I trust the fact that you're going to give wisdom to each unique situation. And I pray all this in the name of Jesus. Can we say amen together? Amen. Can we just give it up for everyone who prayed to receive Christ today? I believe this is the best moment of your life. I believe it's the best decision that you'll ever make. Let me give you one challenge before you leave today. Don't let your starting line here be your finish line. When you walk out of the door, one of Satan's biggest tactics is is to look at you and and get you isolated and say what what you did didn't really matter. And if no one else ever knows about it, then no one else can come alongside you. But that's what this church is here for, to pray for you, to give you resources, to take your next steps. And we want to be that for you. Would you let us? Would you take your Connect card and just say, I prayed to receive Christ? It's a bold move, I know, but it's a move that I believe God's asking you to take. And as you walk out today, you can drop that card off with the ushers, and we'll be following up with you. And more so than that, we'll be praying for you because I know that God has a great plan for your life, and I know that there's a real enemy that wants to make you feel like that that's not going to happen. So we're going to be praying for you today. We're going to be praying for you this week. Would you take a second and do that? Uh, If you're here in the room today and and you want information on what's next for you at the bridge, what's my next step, or how can I get involved in serving, or how can I do more than just coming and sitting in services? Well, there's a place on the Connect card for that. We want you to be able to take advantage of it. And and there's also a place for prayer requests. 
I know for many of you in the room today, you have some overly needy people in your life. Um, and and you, you just need some prayer. How, just be praying for me this week as I address some of these issues. We want to come alongside you, not just preach at you and send you on your way, but we want to come alongside you and help be a resource in prayer. And so take a second and fill out your prayer requests on there. We'll be praying for you this week. Guys, I love you. We're going to be doing this series again next week. I can't wait to see you then. Let's go out and represent Christ this week. See you guys next week.